Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. This week, to continue our series on religion and politics, we'll be hearing from Dr. Lori Maffley-Kipp. Maffley-Kipp is currently writing a book about Mormonism in American life. She joined Hold That Thought to talk about the unique place of the Mormon faith in American politics and culture. Now, if you think about the Mormon faith and you yourself are not Mormon, there are many things that might come to mind. Perhaps you have friends or family members who are Mormon. Maybe you think about the 2012 presidential election and Mitt Romney. Or maybe you've seen the musical The Book of Mormon or visited Salt Lake City, where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has its headquarters. Or maybe, like many people, you think about polygamy. There are still lots and lots of people who, when I say I study Mormons, the first thing they say is, oh, they're the ones that are polygamists. They still don't recognize that most Mormons these days, not all Mormons, but most Mormons, and certainly those who are members of the Utah-based Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, do not practice polygamy. This perceived connection between Mormonism and polygamy didn't come from nowhere. In the 19th century, Mormons did accept polygamy, or the practice of being married to more than one person. And this historical reality brings us to our focus on religion and politics. For decades, this practice put Mormons in direct opposition with the U.S. government. They have a history, in fact, in which they um, defied the U.S. government directly. Basically, the church defended polygamy, and the government condemned it. And this conflict played a major part in the early history of the Mormon church. After their leader, Joseph Smith, was assassinated in 1844, one of the reasons they f- the, a, a majority of them fled to Utah was precisely because it wasn't in the United States. And they were trying to get away from the U.S. government. That's because in 1844, Utah was not yet a state. Still, the fight over polygamy continued. In 1857, a clash now known as the Utah War began between Mormon settlers and U.S. forces. By 1890, the federal government threatened to take over all church properties. So, yeah, it has led to this, uh, you know, always this ambivalent relationship to the government itself, because in the 19th century, the government represented a power that, that was seeking to obliterate the church and came pretty close to doing so in the 1890s. Eventually, the tide turned. In 1896, Utah became a state. The church officially ended its practice of plural marriage. And from there, the relationship between Mormons and the United States took a somewhat surprising turn. Ever since Mormons stopped practicing polygamy in the early 20th century, they have been trying, sort of going overboard in a sense, to present themselves as really American. This really all got started after World War II, when Mormons started to assimilate into businesses and politics. And it kept going from there. In the 50s, I mean, interestingly, Mormons were often depicted as sort of the, the ideal Americans, the, the industrious, hard workers, um, disciplined, all the things that, that sort of made up what at that point was called the organization man, you know, that kind of bureaucratic ideal. And Mormons fit right into that kind of stereotype as well. 
In addition to being admired in the business world, Mormons also began more intentionally crafting their own image. And that image, or almost brand, fit in very nicely with the all-American ideals of hard work and commitment to family. One thing that happened is that in the early 1960s, Mormons themselves, the church in Utah, started what is called their correlation program, in which they really, for the first time, I think, attempted to quite aggressively um, formalize or, or sort of standardize their own image, both to their believers throughout the world, but also to other people. Um, part of this is a result of the fact that after about 1960, the church internationally starts to grow, and the, the, the headquarters back in Utah, in an attempt to, again, sort of standardize the faith, prints and publishes manuals, Sunday school lessons, um, and standardizes almost all aspects of the program, programs of the church in order to make sure that you know people in Japan or Brazil who are going to the Mormon church are learning the same things um, that Mormons in the U.S. would learn. So over the course of one century, Mormons went from effectively being barred from U.S. citizenship to instead embodying the ideal citizen. Yet even being totally, typically American occasionally got the group into trouble. This was the case in Chile in the 1980s, where Mormons had a thriving missionary presence. They were often accused by people who were critical of the military dictatorship in Chile at the time, the Pinochet dictatorship. They were accused of being CIA agents because they looked like CIA agents. They wore the white shirts and the ties. And so um, there was a history, in fact, of Mormon churches being bombed in Chile in the 80s because they assumed that these were actually government agents at work. So there are times when their Americanness has worked against them, in fact, in these uh, in other countries. It was with this complicated backstory that Mitt Romney, the governor of Massachusetts, entered the U.S. presidential race in both 2008 and 2012. The media dubbed 2012 when Romney became the Republican nominee, the Mormon moment. Commentary about Mormons as leaders and citizens filled the news. But according to Mathley Kipp, this fundamental debate about the relationship between Mormonism and American political life was nothing new. As we've heard, it was really 100 years in the making. Part of the complication is the same complication that John F. Kennedy faced about Catholicism in the 1960s and 50s. And that, that's just, you know, where is your real allegiance? If, if, it, if push comes to shove, are you going to be loyal to the pope or are you going to be loyal to the U.S. government? And that was, I think, the first question that Mitt Romney had to face in 2008 when he was first running was to, to promise that he would, you know, he is an American and he would defend the Constitution and that was where his loyalties lay. Um, so that's part of it. But what makes it more, even more complicated, I think, for Mormons is that they're still seen and have, have long been seen by other Americans as um, either a little strange or even dangerous. Dangerous is not a word typically associated with most religions. But Mormon beliefs have been seen as threatening. And this isn't just about polygamy. If you're a conservative Christian, you would see them as dangerous because they represent 
a different kind of uh, understanding of Christianity that some people don't consider Christian at all. This is in part because Mormons believe in both the Bible and in other texts, like the Book of Mormon. Yet here's an example where religion and politics can overlap in strange ways. Though Mormons have some quite different religious beliefs than evangelical Christians, in many ways these two groups align politically. Both religious groups are mainly conservative. Well, that's what's so strange about about all of this, I think, especially for conservative evangelicals who see Mormonism as the worst heresy of Christianity. It's, it's anti-Christian for, for many of them, but who, yes, get aligned, find themselves aligned with these people. And it's, it's led to some sort of interesting bedfellows, I guess, politically. And it's, it also forces, it, it has forced evangelicals to try to help their parishioners see what the differences are. If you can't see them by what, you know, how they vote or how they conduct their family life, you have to focus on other things, including their theology. So then the stranger, what, what might be called the stranger elements of Mormon beliefs come into play. So then you talk about how they believe in multiple gods or they used to practice polygamy and maybe they still do, or you have to sort of move to other ways to differentiate yourself from them. In the case of Mitt Romney, in the end, polls and news outlets called his religion pretty much a non-issue in why he lost the election. In general, conservatives of different faiths did rally around the Republican candidate. Yet the attention and debate was another chapter in a long and complicated story about what it means to be a Mormon citizen. That history really still resonates with a lot of, for a lot of Mormons themselves, that um, they're wary of what can happen. And and oddly, that's why Mormons, um, most Mormons, until quite recently, have also been some of the biggest proponents of the freedom of religious expression. Although they are also quite conservative on a lot of political issues, they tend to also be sort of libertarian on the issues of religious expression because they themselves have this history of persecution. So they, they fall in this kind of odd place in sort of the, on the American political spectrum. Many thanks to Lori Mathley-Kipp for contributing to Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, be sure to visit us online at holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also search for Hold That Thought on Facebook and Twitter, or find our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and prx.org.